We welcome Esther George, the former president and CEO of the Fed in Kansas City. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. Hey, can you give us a little insight into what exactly the president and CEO did on a day-to-day -day basis? What was that like? Do you just look at numbers all day or what? Well, a little bit of everything, including <laughs> looking at numbers all day. Um, the CEO of the Kansas City Fed is one of 12 regional Federal Reserve banks. And uh, I always describe my job around three core activities. You're responsible for monetary policy. So you're getting out in the region, talking to people about how they're experiencing the economy and what they think. You're in charge of a team of people whose job it is to make sure our financial system is safe and sound. So bank examiners uh, in, the, in the role. And finally, the U.S. payment system largely runs through the Federal Reserve in terms of making sure that when you and I intend to move money that it does so safely and efficiently. So it's a, a multifaceted role, but uh, it was a great one. All right. So compare the climate because you had to endure the Great Recession. And then, of course, you know, we just went through 2020 with the onslaught of the pandemic and everything that's followed. Those two humongous crises how are they similar? How are they different from the Fed's point of view? Well, they both were a headache, I can tell you, when you're <laughs> sitting at the at the Federal Reserve. Uh, but uh, different in the sense that the financial crisis obviously came from excessive leverage in the system, a housing market problem, and uh, was extraordinary just in terms of its magnitude and how long it took for us to recover. Interestingly, when you think about the pandemic that hit us, we didn't have a playbook really for an economic shutdown. <laughs> and so uh, you saw both the Federal Reserve and the federal government pulling out all the stops. And because of that, you had a recession that was very deep, but bounced back very quickly. Um, and in many respects, uh, we're still recovering from that uh, today. So how challenging is that where the goal is to avoid a deep recession after so much of our economy had temporarily shut down? You don't want that deep recession and a long lasting recession and you're trying to slow the growth because we had this influx of cash pushed out into the economy. So how challenging is that to thread that needle? Well, I would guess uh, my former colleagues would say it's very challenging. So I think one thing we had not appreciated, and I don't think I appreciated at the time, was just how much trillions and trillions of dollars put into the hands of consumers and businesses would not only sustain this economy, but actually produce the kind of uh, demand that we saw. So. A supply shock in terms of, you know, things not getting where they were to meet that demand, but the demand really has come off very slowly, uh, which has led, of course, to the Fed's high interest rate environment. And I say that a little bit tongue in cheek. I lived through the 80s. Yeah, um, that was high. <laughs> high. That was high. So, uh, but, uh, you know, most people you talk to, Dave, have not experienced inflation. And so when Real you think inflation. back, it's been some four decades since people and they 
they hate it. They don't like it. And I think it's why, despite the fact we have very low unemployment right now, people are not happy with the economy. And I really think it's because they see every day um, how that price affects them and their standard of living. So can we exhale that the worst is behind us and we're going to avoid recession in 2024 and just kind of slowly watch the the rates tick down? I think that'd be wonderful. And I love hearing people talk about soft landings and the Goldilocks economy. I guess I'm more of a skeptic. I hope they're right. But my experience is um, there's a lot that happens when you put that kind of money out there. And the Federal Reserve has put a lot of money out there. And so doing what I call the last mile of getting inflation under control, I think is always the hardest. And this is always where the Federal Reserve, I think, is most challenged to know when to back off and when not to let that inflation reaccelerate. Do you expect that we will see rates to start ticking down early next year or not? Or do you think they have to stay the course for a while? Well, I think next year, the timing of that is hard to, to pin down because um, they are going to have to adjust rates, I suspect, at some point. We see inflation coming down, so that would make sense to me. But um, it, they will have to be more confident than I think they've indicated so far that they think inflation is headed back to that 2% target. <laughs> so specifically as we look at farmland that seems like it's made it and for the for those folks who already owned land they're seeing appreciation that's been pretty impressive throughout all this craziness we've gone through gone through now of course not, not to not to ignore the fact that borrowing costs have gone up um, you know you have the longer term perspective remembering what borrowing costs were in the 80s mm -hmm. so how do you look specifically at that at that sector going into next year in light of the current climate? Yeah. So anytime you have the kind of uh, aggressive rate increases that we've seen the Fed undertake, it's going to slow down some things in terms of farm operations, credit tightening for them too. And so nothing bad has happened yet. Nothing's broken in that sector. But you do see the beginning of slowing in terms of ag credit. You mentioned land prices, though, and I think as we look ahead, um, this would be one difference compared to 70s and 80s, is when you look at the amount of leverage that's in, in the ag sector, we don't see that uh, to the same degree that we did uh, decades ago. And so that allows both the asset value, I think, of that land to, to stay um, you know, buoyant in some respects, um, whether the, the operational part of that gets hit harder, um, we'll have to see. But my sense is there's a lot more equity than debt relative to some past periods that should uh, preserve both the asset value, if not the operations more generally. And are there trends behind that that are the reason for that? Why do we not see the same le level of leverage? Was it just that huge influx of cash out there and then all the, uh, the government programs as well? What, what's the reason? Well, I think if you look at the period leading up to that, remember the there was a period of easy money that allowed for 
asset values to grow and to be strong. And increasingly over time, you had lenders who said, I'll take that collateral based on his asset value. It rhymes a lot with what happened in the housing crash that we mm -hmm. had. And so again, these things move in cycles. And I think that sector and, and the lenders in it took away lessons that have probably helped today. Um, there are probably going to be other asset classes, other places where you're going to see that kind of adjustment. I don't know where they are, but um, anytime you have the kind of influx of money and low interest rates that we've had, um, I think you could get that kind of an adjustment later. You mentioned that you don't necessarily have the same level of optimism that some of your former colleagues have as you look to 2024. What's the and is it just the, do you think that there is still a remainder of a lot of cash out there and that's why we're still gonna have that pressure or what, what's, what's behind that skepticism? Well, I think what's difficult and remember the Federal Reserve has made a very strong commitment to driving inflation back to 2% and making sure it stays there. So you think about where they are today, they're getting closer, they're, they're in the 3% range, but they also know that between now and the time they get to two, a lot can happen. You have a consumer that is getting weaker in some respects, they have spent out that money. You have a banking system that is holding a lot of unrealized losses in their bond portfolio, they're tightening credit. And so things are slowing, but they've not slowed yet. And so a couple of things can happen. The Fed will either take those rates down with a very slow and gradual glide path, or some of these factors I just mentioned could put the economy to slow much faster and cause them to have to, to move more quickly. And that's what I call the, the recession scenario. And those are hard to know. The, the tipping point around things gradually slowing uh, versus you know, the coil kind of snapping and it happens quickly um, is really hard to see ahead of time. So that's why I say the last mile is a hard one uh, for the Federal Reserve in judging how much to back off and how much to keep pressure so that that inflation comes down. I use the word skepticism, but as you well know, there there is a chunk of our population, perhaps a really small one, that they're not big fans of the Fed at all, right? They don't want any kind of involvement in our monetary system whatsoever. And yep. I am sure you have come across those folks over the years. How do you explain to them why we have to have the Fed's involvement? Well, if you look, David, at um, the public's sense, a lot of these surveys just around our our institutions uh, of government today, there is a lot of dissatisfaction and, be, and people look to see, am I benefiting from this economy in the same way that I perceive others are? Do I believe in the case of the Federal Reserve that the Federal Reserve is doing things that help me versus help big banks versus help you know Wall Street? We heard that loud and clear in 2008 and nine. Is it Wall Street or Main Street that benefits from some of these policies? And you had Bernanke then trying to convince people, oh, it definitely helps Main Street. But I will tell you, outside my window were a group of people called Occupy Kansas City, and mm -hmm. there were versions of that around the country. 
they did not buy that because they saw that the big bankers still had their jobs and they did not. And so central banks and many other policymakers are really faced with thinking carefully about the actions they take, how they explain those actions. And at the end of the day, um, how the public experiences the economy has everything to do with how they see uh, the interest of those institutions working for them. Well, perhaps explanations can help folks get a little better better understanding of this. We appreciate the conversation and look forward to seeing you in person in Des Moines in January. All right. See you then.